From True Africa, I'm Claude Winitsky, and this is Limitless. In this episode, we're talking about women and how they're making it in a world made for men. Go there audaciously. Don't try and be a man. Being a female DJ was something out of this world, something unusual. We, as women, we tend to underestimate ourselves. Welcome to Limitless, the podcast that asks the questions that matter for Africa. We're looking for African solutions to African problems. In each episode, we're asking three guests one question that matters to Africans. And, no surprise, they don't always agree. The Limitless podcast is supported by the U.S. Department of State and the Scene Fire Foundation. As James Brown once put it, it's a man's world. But in this episode, I'm going to talk to three women who don't think that's true. And they're proving it by doing the most in male-dominated industries. I have a lot of questions for them. What challenges do they face? How do they make their voices heard in their place of work? And what are the positives of being a woman in those industries? First up is Linda Mabena Olagunju. She is the founder and managing director of DLO Energy Resources Group, a wholly African female-owned independent power producer. The company currently operates one of Africa's largest wind farms in the Northern Cape of South Africa. Here's our conversation. Energy, green energy that's traditionally very white and male, how did you deal with being a black woman working with other black women in that industry? It's a challenge. <laughs> yes, you want to know how. Um, I mean, I think over the years, I mean, when you're building your career, and I'll be very candid, when you're building your career, you know, you pay your dues and you told the line. When you've um, built your career, I think you set your boundaries and you, you, you voice your opinions without fear. But also I think that as black people and as women, we tend to give ourselves this obligation. You know, uh, there was a line in a movie, which is why must black people and women be excellent? Why can't we just be ourselves, right? It's like there's an additional burden to be super good and to be super excellent and no room for mistakes. But as, yes. I, as I've grown in my career, I'm more forgiving of myself and I'm, I'm more accepting of myself as a human being. Uh, but at the same time, I'm also, I always strive to do a very good job where I can. And also, I think that the key thing that set me apart is I really want to occupy spaces traditionally reserved for people that don't look like me. It's so important that we see representation. Yes. It's important not just to be a token employee or a token company and say, oh, great, we're black-owned. I wanted to make sure black-owned companies are involved in actual innovation, actual engineering, actual technology. It's important to also, I always call it, to have the patience to do the work because uh, you're not going to learn overnight. And there's this, I know the younger generation, and I am a millennial myself, that were very impatient with the process of learning. But it is important if you are going to legitimately run an organization that you know every single thing that happens or in that organization. So DLO is an African female-owned independent power producer. And as the leader, you were able to design your own environment how does that change the dynamics and the way the company is actually run? 
remember we're not running a you see we we operate in the context of a country that has recovered from what was one of the world's worst racist regimes the apartheid government you need to know that most of the people who received training traditionally in the south african economy are white males we have had to fight to even get black female engineers the training and the certification within an organization. We've had to fight with clients to allow our black engineers to lead um, um, you know, teams. Uh, it's like if clients don't see a, a white face, there's a lack of legitimacy to the business. It's been a slow, tranched um, effort and it's a daily battle. What are your tips for young women going into male-dominated industries? Go there audaciously. Go there dressed for the part. Don't try and be a man. <laughs> you know, be who right. you are. Dress as you want. Show up as yourself. I think the more authenticity and the less assimilation, the better. But also I would say, make sure when you are there, open the door. Open the door for the next woman. Don't be obsessed with being the only person at the boardroom table, the only woman. And that's because we've been made to believe that there's only so much to go around and um, we need to change that. Our second contributor is DJ Ellie, one of Angola's biggest DJs. She works in an industry which is overwhelmingly male all over the world. She spoke to our journalist, Nelson Mangueira. At first, like everything in life, it wasn't easy. But it all starts from the principle that with willpower, we achieve everything we want. In fact, the industry at the beginning when I started was very square in the area I operate. In other words, it was a market dominated by men. But using this challenge, I created an opportunity to stand out because it was my strong point. In other words, I was a woman doing something that mostly men do. So this was one of the triggers for me to become a DJ I am today. Are there many women in the DJ scene in Angola? On average, we have about 10 to 12 women who join the profession. But unfortunately, there is no one who only does DJ. Most of the ones I know do it as a hobby. Almost none live entirely from DJing. I think that apart from me, one or two more, so for me this is equal to zero. It is equal to almost nothing. And I would like the reality to be different in the future. Tell us a little more about your work. Well, my experience has been challenging, but good, positive, because it is typical for me to like challenges. And for me, being a DJ in Angola is an everyday challenge, because you have to fight for affirmation, you have to create, work, make things that support your career, especially in a country that has a very unstable economy and in a profession that 10, 11 years ago was not as respected as it is today. Thanks be to God, it is now a reality. Today, I live from my music, I am respected as a DJ, I have a professional status recognized by the Angolan Culture Ministry, and this is a game for me. My focus and my biggest contribution to stay in the industry as a professional and from there, I can encourage other women to take the same professional path. I'm guessing that throughout your career, you have already encountered some difficulties. There are several challenges. 
the difficulties start right at the beginning. Instead of just joining a profession, it was kind of difficult because of prejudice. It seemed that one had to come out as a DJ, as if being a female DJ was something out of this world, something unusual, as if it were something outside the laws or rules of society. So that was one of the biggest difficulties, getting my family to accept the profession I wanted and making men understand that I was joining the profession not to take someone's place, but to conquer my own place in the professional environment. That ended with me becoming an example and encouraging other women to assert themselves in what they wanted to be, be it a DJ, a stylist, a singer, an engineer. What I did for myself ended up becoming a reference for other women. Uh, for example, this last year in 2021, I did something that a lot of people didn't expect and people were amazed. I got married <laughs> and in our society, a woman DJ, that is a woman who works at night. So people didn't imagine that this was going to happen, that I had time for a social life with my family and stuff. But I am married. I have a normal life like everyone else, but I'm also a DJ. I live for my art. So I think that showing this every day to people, showing and defending this flag, I believe has been the biggest challenge. Being consistent in my principles has also been the biggest challenge. Our third contributor is Kawala, a Cameroonian politician and entrepreneur. She was the first woman to stand for president in Cameroon in 2011. Here's our conversation. And we wanted to kind of find out what was that experience like running against Paul Bia? It was, it was one of the most tremendous experiences, of course, of my life. I would say first and foremost that um, the barriers for me uh, in a country that is a dictatorship, the barriers of general political rights, so the ability to hold political meetings, to hold my campaign meetings, to participate uh, fully in an electoral process, those barriers were greater than any barrier of being a woman. Even though we, we are definitely a patriarchal society um, where women have to do 10 times as much to, to prove themselves. Um, but we are also a society in Cameroon where um, women are very active in the economy. Um, we are one of those countries where women's literacy um, is extremely high. So seeing a woman in Cameroon to, to see a woman judge or a woman doctor or, you know, is not an exceptional thing. Um, when I ran in, in 2011, seeing a woman as a presidential candidate was, was most definitely an exceptional thing that got tremendous response positively from both women and men. Um, and um, of course, you have the, the fraction of the population um, who says, well, you know, a woman cannot lead in this, in this top position um, and in this uh, uh, position of, of being the president of the republic, that of course exists. Um, I don't have any polls, uh, but my experience on the field that was that that was a minority of people. The north of Cameroon, the three northern regions of Cameroon um, are, are Muslim uh, majority. And when I started off running, I thought that was where the biggest hurdles would be. 
My huge surprise is that the North, especially the far North of, of my country, is where I, up to today, have have uh, uh, some of the strongest support and where our party till today is extremely strong. Um, so I think definitely as a politician, 11 years later, as a political leader who is still very much involved in Cameroonian politics and in bringing about change, I do not see being a woman as as an obstacle. I do have to work harder. Uh, I do have to, 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 to prove myself much more so than men. But there is the reverse where the majority of, of the population also sees a woman as a difference. A woman represents difference, represents change. So what are your tips for young women who are trying to enter politics, the ones who want to be the next Kawala, for instance? I would give a couple of tips. One are the things that, the mistakes that I made. Um, Mistake number one, I waited. So the first thing I would say to them is do not wait. Get involved now. The the political arena is extremely complex. And so the earlier you start, um, the more quickly you begin to learn and you begin to position yourself um, as a woman. Because as I said, we do have to work harder. Um, this is unfair, it is unjust, but it is what it is. The second thing I would say to them is um, uh, something that I realized very quickly, have no fear, have absolutely no fear. We, as women, we tend to underestimate ourselves. We tend to think, surely there is somebody smarter, somebody uh, uh, more qualified. I say to women, there isn't. You are absolutely qualified. You are absolutely the appropriate person. Do your homework, find out what is, is needed, and step up and step in. I was inspired by these women's optimism and their refusal to accept the status quo. I'd love listening to their advice, and it stuck with me, even though I'm not the target audience. If I had one takeaway, it would be Kawala's Have No Fear. Thanks for listening. To find out more, visit www.trueafrica.co slash limitless or follow True Africa on Facebook and Twitter. Join in the conversation using the hashtag LimitlessAfrica. You've been listening to Limitless. I'm Claude Brunitsky. The Limitless podcast is a production of True Africa. This podcast is made possible with a grant from the U.S. Department of State and the Scene Fire Foundation.